Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day and welcome to the Farm's Eyes podcast where we talk everything agribusiness. This is the Harvest Series brought to you by the leaders and innovators of Australian agriculture. We've had it all on this series and today we'll be talking about the machinery of tomorrow and what it has in store for Australian farmers with the product manager of Case IH, Tim Slater. Great to have him on the show today for this episode. So make sure you tell the crew and your boss that you're doing Harvest with currently to listen in and to improve your yield, simplify your operation or even save you time. If you're out there picking or driving the tractor, chasing down that header. If you get something out of this episode or the other episodes on this series, please help the podcast by sharing it with your mates so that we can grow too and reach every farmer across Australia as we're on a mission to connect more farmers because we're farmers too. It'd be a great help. But let's get into today's episode. G'day and welcome to the podcast, Tim Slater. Great to have you on today's episode. Thanks, Jack. Absolute pleasure to be here. Beautiful. And also for the Harvest Series, it's great to have you on and your expertise within the industry as episode, these episodes not one of them has been the same as diving into a new realm of what Australian harvest has and predominantly the grains industry how's it looking how's it shaping up harvest 2021 leading into 22 oh I think I think everyone's really looking forward to getting into it you know the, the promises out there of a really really strong season um, you know, combined with off the back of a really good one last year for a lot of areas, um, this one just looks really solid across a lot of areas. Um, good, to, good to really see some positivity <coughs> out there. Yeah, we we're looking to get the second record crop, like Australia on average, 54.1 million tonnes, I think they were looking for us to get off. So if we can really pull that off, it'd be amazing during a pandemic and lack of 
labour that we really needed uh, initially. But I think a lot of the farmers now, they already have their their plans in play and they're ready to go, ready to attack sharing neighbours or whatever it happens. But before we get down to agribusiness, can you just tell us a bit about your connection to Australian agriculture? Yeah, well, I'm the product manager for Case IH for Hay and Harvest. It's a, it's a position I've had for a few years. Um, very lucky to have it. And um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, you know, when you're um, looking after such, such a good product range as, as the Axial Flow, and I've, it's something I grew up with, um, makes going to work every day, you know, quite a lot easier. And especially when we're looking at such a strong season like this, you know, it's, it is really the fruits of the full year's worth of, worth of hard work. And, you know, 2021's been one of those years that's thrown up uh, plenty of challenges for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. The farmers are really getting the rewards at the end of probably a five, six year trot of pretty rough seasons, especially over here on the SNC boards. We've had it pretty rough. And yourself, you're based in the central west of New South Wales and you drive around and the crops are looking pretty good. They're all starting to turn now around our region, so they should be going gun for leather. Yeah, now the next the next two weeks are really, you know, especially in the central and the south, uh, are really going to become uh, the crazy madness that that is a good strong harvest. You know, machines going all directions, trucks going all directions, and hopefully, you know, the grain prices stay you know, nice and buoyant as they are. Yeah, exactly, and follow that on through. Well, fantastic to have you on in your background for yourself in your role how do you see like over the years working with case IH, how have you seen technology starting to play a big part and probably when did you see technology getting used more within the machinery yeah it's an interesting one i, I started with case IH in the early 2000s and um, at that stage we'd already kicked off with advanced <laughs> farming systems you know using harvest to gather our data, you know, yield and moisture. Um, that was already in full swing when I'd kicked off. And we saw that really evolve then, you know, was to gather that data at harvest time, then to start making decisions on, on how we plan the next crop, um, you know, through then into, you know, the, the emergence of auto steering, you know, and increasing efficiencies that way. Um, probably the biggest leap ahead really was that auto steer as we emerged into it. And now we get into, you know, things like, uh, you know, grain quality monitors, um, you know, automation in combines, being able to, you know, take a relatively inexperienced operator and, and make them as efficient as we possibly can over the full, you know, gambit of their, of their driving shift. Yep. And even then through into, you know, connected, you know, we, we, we've released the AFS Connect Magnums and Steigers, um, but we still have a lot of connected parts to the combine as well, where we can where we can move both the agronomic data directly to desktop software, <laughs> and also you know be able to monitor machine data. So it really becomes more about um, reducing the time lag in, in gaining data more than anything else. Yeah, and suppose for twenty twenty one, farmers are probably using data for their farms and how they translate that um, more than ever. I think there's a bit of an early mover advantage there for those that are using the data efficiently <coughs> um, and how they use it to make set themselves up for a better year next harvest season, not only getting the data for harvest, but right, right through their crop programs from planning time um, into the inputs 
and how it works to improve their crops right the way through. Oh, absolutely. You know, if you take it way to the to the nth degree, you actually do get to, you know, where where we look at profit mapping, you know, where we can look at certain inputs into certain variable rates into the field as we're as we're seeding, as we're sowing, you know, what fertiliser we're putting down, and then what does that translate to and what does it look like when we come out the other end? And it, it all it all comes down to being able to make efficient, smart decisions at the end of the day for where we go to for the for the next crop. Yeah, if we can make that a little bit easier for the farmers to make these decisions, make it a bit of a yes, no, um, we're going to make it a lot easier and <clears throat> produce a bit more efficiency throughout our farms right across Australia. You did say before and on before the episode started about 2019, the new machines that came in and how you were finding it hard, like as an industry to find experienced operators and how the machines can now work for those less experienced and you can sort of jump in the seat and go. How's that all worked oh, I, out? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's something really exciting. You know, for for KSH, we we brought out a product called AFS Harvest Command, and what it allows is you know the, the operator sets some some parameters. Um, you know what what their strategy is that they want to uh, go into the crop with, and it allows <laughs> a very inexperienced operator to be able to to harvest them with the machine. You know as well as a, as a very experienced operator. The, the machine looks at a number of different sensors on, on itself and, and is looking to, you know, improve the way that it functions through the field. You know, we look at things like rotor speed, cage vane angles, uh, sieve openings, fan speeds, and the ground speed, and, and look at what we're putting into the tank, what it looks like, you know, cracked and broken, material other than grain, and we try and optimise that down. Now, that all is something that an experienced operator learns over time. Um, but we just use sensors on the machine to be able to do that in real time. And as the machine drives through the field, it's able to adjust itself to, to give that best absolute optimum performance, um, you know, 24 hours a day, if that's what the operation runs. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a bit of a quote, a dollar saved is better than a dollar made. And for farmers, that's coming through in efficiencies and how if they're trying to save the grain coming out the back um, and how technology can be used to really improve that efficiencies, but also the mechanical size from improving the size of your front. If you're running a 30 foot, 40 foot, or even up to 60 foot, it's a lot of options there. Um, and that AFS system sounds like it's really playing for the farmers in their side of it, as they look into the data for it. What type of data have, <coughs> sorry, have striked you or the farmers and what they're looking to measure um, with these new machines coming on board? I guess, I guess the other, you know, the, one of the things that we've seen a real interest in, and it's a product that's available through our dealers is, is a grain quality monitor. So it, it's, it allows us to, you know, look at, if we look at canola measure, you know, oil content on the go. And if we're looking at cereals, it allows us to measure protein contents on the go. So, you know, that, that sort of data, you know, is, is quite new, I guess, to um, being collected. You know, it's, it's probably, you know, less than 10 years we've been working, working with that. And, it, and it's really presenting some interesting, you know, facets to the whole world. You know, we, we initially looked at it and thought, you know, if we can measure those things in real time, you know, perhaps we can segregate the grain, you know, as it's coming out of the paddock if we've got the infrastructure to be able to do it. But one of the things that we've, we're starting to learn about that is um, 
is how we can use the nitrogen replenishment for the following year. So if we see a, a year where we have, you know, a very high protein, we know that it's probably going to use a lot of units of N. So it allows us to start drawing a map based on that and, and being able to generate a, uh, a variable rate prescription for a nitrogen application as we roll into the next season. So that, that data is coming off the header as they come through for harvest. Is it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an option, you know, yep. uh, grain quality monitors. Um, it's an option that, that the grower can, can, uh, can have and, and you pull that data basically in real time and, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just another layer of a map that we can use for, to make a decision on for next year. Exactly. And I think as you, if you have the moist profile and everything going your way, the more data that you can work off, the better it is. And even probably if you're lacking the moisture, you're probably needing that data to be backed up a little bit more so you can save on your costs, your inputs, and those units of end for sure going into season, planning season in 2022. Um, it should be a bumper next year as well, but focusing on this year's harvest, what are farmers looking for in their equipment as they probably, they came out of drought, have a lot, been coming through and updating their equipment do you, do you see on your side of the fence yeah there's definitely a lot of lot of interest you know a lot of a lot of operators are on a, on a pretty you know routine turnover um but when you have a, a few years backed up like we've had you know that that plan tends to sometimes get shelved a little bit you know so if you might be on a five-year turn yeah, we might have pushed a couple out to six and seven and things like that. So we are seeing a lot of those sort of coming back towards with some interest there. It's really a game of efficiency. You know, you there's always, you know, cost involved. There's running costs. Keep that, trying to keep that at a manageable level, um, you know, and, and not having it, uh, a big jump when you go from yep. one to the next. So... You know, trying to keep that efficiency, cost of ownership over the whole life of the machine is always is always you know tends to be at the forefront of the mind. On the other hand, you're always looking for efficiency. You know, what can I do to get you know the most tons an hour I can for the least cost? I guess it's probably the way to look at it. Yeah, exactly. And I think most farmers should should be looking that way, or already are. For 2021, what's some key trends that you've seen within Case IH and the farmers coming through your dealers, what they're looking for or what even this harvest season means for them? Um, 2021's probably been the funniest year I've ever seen, you know, just with some of the strange things that have gone on. Um, you know, we're seeing now, um, you know, backlogs and delays and, and things like that. And we're seeing a lot more planning than we probably have in the past. You know, we, we go from uh, traditionally, you know, where there's a, there tends to be a lot of stock you know, sitting around in a drought condition um, to where we look at this year where, you know, there's there's a real desire, there's a real uh, buoyancy about it. People are looking for new machinery um, and it's not just sitting around everywhere. Yep. Uh, I don't think it's just something that, that necessarily happens in our industry either. You know, we've seen car manufacturers and other heavy vehicle manufacturers um, looking at delays through into that. And, but we are seeing a lot more planning. I think, I think our industry is really good at, recognizing when they need to be planning further ahead. And, and that's something that we've seen a lot of you know, coming through into the back half of this year. Yeah, absolutely. And we've mentioned it a bit before, not in this harvest series, but 
about the timing of buying new equipment with the accountants, um, talking to the accountants or making sure that you have the right funds for that. And I really see, yeah, farmers are really getting ahead and making a bit of a plan, seeing what their inventory is, what machinery they currently have and when when's a good time to update. You don't want to go through and gut your whole farm and update it all in one sum. Um, so it's really important that farmers are out there planning and that's pretty cool to see that you're seeing these trends as well as a dealership as farmers start to prepare for the future and whatever that means as a farmer it's all sort of changing how we're, well, far- I mean, we're farming so yeah yeah we're looking at we're looking at high value now we're we are an industry that you know has has a lot of high value equipment and it yep. and it generates high value um income when the conditions are right. So the planning and preparedness is, is a really important part of, you know, of the Australian agricultural industry. Um, and I think we do it quite well. This episode is brought to you by Advert Your Eyes Digital. They're your marketing department when you don't have one and your added expertise to drive real growth in your agribusiness. Contact the team that live and breathe agriculture at advertyoureyes.com back to the episode absolutely and it probably moves into like contractors um play a huge part in the harvest for australian grain farmers and how they really get like get the crops off for these farmers that probably don't have all the equipment but also if they're running all the way from queensland down to victoria they're probably going to be a pretty efficient um organization and working with their people in their machinery. How do you see contracts playing a big part in the 21 Harvest Series season? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's absolutely a huge part for contracting to play. You know, it's probably, if we if I look back to the days when I first sort of started in the early 2000s, you know, we, it used to be a staple of, of, the, of the business. You know, we, there'd be a big contractor fleet. And I think the... The tough years have, have made that really hard, and we've seen a, a real decline in that. Um, and it's a real tough, really tough balancing act, I think, for a lot of people to find. You know, if we look at the last five years, there hasn't been a really good general natural progression from you know the north through to the south. It's always it's almost been the same week it starts in the north of the state, it starts in the south of the state. So for a contract, that's a very difficult plan to make when everything happens within probably six to eight weeks of the year. Um, you know, so like you say, their, their, their efficiency and being able to get in and get the job done and do a good job and then move on to the next one makes it really tough. Yeah, it does. You've got to re-prep yourself, yourself and also your machinery, making sure it's all maintained greased up and ready to go i can't imagine like running up from queensland down into victoria how long that would be and like you gotta be pretty mentally fit to keep going for harvest for that long i did a couple of harvest seasons just in the bunkers and that was enough for me we're stockies so we're not too used to it although we did just buy a case 2388 and a bit of maintenance to it and she's ready to go to rip into some of our barley for the year so yeah it's um yeah it's a difficult you know if you've if you're harvesting on your own and um you know you get to the end and think oh that's the end but to sort of pack up and get to the next one and, and start again you're right it, it's it, it tends to take a, a good mental preparedness to be be ready to go 
Absolutely. So for yourself and in your role that you have, you're a bit of head of all the knowledge that's coming through. We've got these big fancy headers coming through, huge fronts on them. Where to next for the machinery space for harvest and hay? How's that work and what, what yeah. are we going to be seeing? Well, I think, you know, where, where to, it's, it's an interesting one from my point of view. I see, I see a, a bit of a fork in the road coming yeah. um, when we look at where technology can play a part. You know, we, we'll continue to, you know, to look to, to greater efficiency. And there's probably a couple of different ways to get efficiency. You know, there's, um, you know, the bigger, larger, more horsepower, bigger, wider fronts, um, you know, that we look to cover more tonnes an hour and more hectares an hour. Um, that's, that, that'll, that'll drive more efficiency, but it has a downside in, in cost and things like that. Um, the interesting part from my side is, is how technology will play that part. You know, will, will we see things like swarm farming that we see with, with some of the um, autonomous machines running? Is there a part that that can play in the harvesting operation? you know, or the hay operation even, um, I tend to think we, we will see a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, there's an opportunity there that, that we may see more smaller um, units. Um, yeah. Not that we can sort of manage with the same. Uh, I, I think the key, you know, Australia is we, do, we don't have a big pool of people with experience to run a lot of these machines. You know, if, if Harvest runs for three years, three months of the year, you know, there's still nine months of the year that, that people are looking for something to do. Um, you know, if we, can, if we can run a fleet somehow with a similar loading of, of manpower, um, there may be an opportunity there for the smaller style swarm farms to, to play a part in that, um, you know, use technology and autonomy and things like that to be able to, to drive that. Um, from my point of view, it's, it's a bit of a pipe dream, but I do see that being able to play a part as we, you know, we move into the next 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. That's Those swarm farms are pretty interesting how they are. They are knocking back a bit on size just to be able to manage them because they are equipment running 24-7 pretty well and how that could come into play for a smaller header that probably drops off a bat, grain bag of um, out of the bin. You might have grain bags laid around like hay soon. Well, absolutely. You know, there's there's the opportunity there. You know, can is there, is there a possibility of master and master and slave? You know, one one operator in the first machine and the second one follows everything. Um, there's so much variation in in you know, harvesting. You know, if all the paddocks were flat and clean, we'd all be laughing. But unfortunately, you know, there's always the unexpected. Uh, obstacle that pops up so it's about being able to manage a lot of that um, you know can we look at things like where we have um, a chaser bin that syncs up with those and, and yep. move forward we're seeing a lot of that technology emerge you know today already um, but then being able to have that chaser bin go back to a centralized location you know whether it can unload into its own mother bin or something like that um, I think there's, there's there's really some opportunity there um, using technology to actually drive a lot of that, um, not to re necessarily to replace, you know, a workforce, but to fill in some gaps that we that we always tend to see at those really busy times of the year. Yeah, exactly. I think you just said the blueprint of what the future is for Australian harvest. So it's interesting to see, like in fifteen years, 
what we will be seeing as farmers within Australia and how that will play out with our machinery. We all need to eat and proteins, the demand for proteins really soaring. So we either need to become more efficient or grow more and optimise our farms to see how we can better manage. There's no talk of a Tesla electric engine going into a header yet around the world. Oh, I mean, we're always looking at uh, alternatives for, for, for drive, driven power. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different options out there. Um, you know, the electric is, is very popular at the moment. We're all, we're all sort of working on engineering solutions to, yeah, I guess I hate to think that, you know, that the days of diesel are numbered, but, um, you know, alternate fuel, alternate fuels and power, power sources is something that across every industry, you know, we're really seeing a lot of. Yeah, I think that is right. And there's a bit of a social license as well going around for farmers to become more sustainable and how they interact with the consumers of the world and consumers are demanding more sustainability and they're wanting to go cold turkey and do this, this and that right now where like traditional farming, agriculture, how everyone sort of knows it's more traditional based and it takes a long time to shift the industry and flip it on its head like the consumers are sort of demanding. How do you see that playing out with the machinery dealers and yourself about like social license and dealing with sustainability moving forward with these new machines coming through? Yeah, it's an interesting one. You know, I always laugh, you know, it's, it's, it's agriculture you know, tends to be seen as, as not a high technology industry, but it's actually very far from that. You know, I think, I think that's a, a, probably a bit of a misnomer that's, that's been fueled by a lack of understanding by people not involved with agriculture. You know, if I, if I look at a lot of, lot of machinery, um, you know, that, that we use, it's very high tech and, 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 and very much, um, you know, capable of a lot more than, than just driving through the paddock. And I, and I think a lot of the social license and, and things like that and, and, and social media and, they don't necessarily understand, you know, how far stuff has, you know, our, our industry really has come in the last 20 years. Now, if I go back, we were talking about 15 years. If I go back 15 years, we probably, we, it was really about the emergence of auto steer 15 years ago. So we've come quite a way in that period of time to drive that efficiency. Um, you know, from a, from a manufacturer point of view, you know, the, the opportunity, there is responsibility, social responsibility there. You know, we, we need to make sure that, um, you know, that, that we're producing a, you know, a machinery that is efficient, you know, whether that's uh, efficient to use or efficient in, in, in what it requires for inputs. Um, and, and we see that as, as we go through, you know, fuel efficiency, you know, still drives a lot of, lot of decisions on, on our side. Um, you know, as we see, you know, uh, there is a real social push away from fossil fuels. And, you know, we I just don't think we're at the point where we're going to quite go cold turkey, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, is there opportunity? You know, we saw biodiesel, um, you know, emerge probably 10, 15 years ago. Um, it sort of stagnated a little bit. There's, there's maybe a possibility of, you know, of seeing that a little bit. There's alternate fuels with hydrogen. There's you know, electric drives. Um, electric party is, is quite interesting. You know, if we look at it, 
rather than, than relying on, an, on a combustion engine to, to provide the, the power plant, you know, do we use a smaller, more efficient um, combustion engine to drive a power pack that then relies on efficient electric drives? I think that's still a technology that, that has a little bit of a ways to develop um, within efficiency and, and being able to ruggedise into, into our dusty conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And before, like you spoke about, it's coming to a fork in the road for headers to see how far we can actually push these these beasts of machines. You look at them on Instagram or something, and they're just they're whoppers. Um, and how that technology can play out, and really how farmers can keep drumming down on efficiencies to get to be able to save a dollar. Um, opposed to expending it and also to improving our yields and seeing how we can do that. It's good to see that you've seen the correlation into people not really knowing the technology that's behind these machines and what it's doing and how it's actually performing and getting more food on the table of consumers. It's a bit, bit of a um, myth, I'd say, like the, that I'm trying to tackle with the podcast. You can be marketing, you could be a data analyst, um for yourselves there i suppose it's like there's a lot of new roles coming into play um with machinery dealers and also on farm as well you need to know a fair bit as a farmer these days oh absolutely you know i think i think it's really under understated you know you know you look at you look at the current crop of, of machine owners and and the and the things that we that we expect them to remember and be able to do through through a full year of you know farming and yeah, there's not too, too many other jobs that are as diverse as 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 a, as a grain grower is today. Uh, definitely not. So, looking through the whole lineup of Case Age, what's your favourite piece of equipment coming out today or in the last twenty years? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I've been a little lucky. I've I've um, been exposed to a lot of it over the years and through a lot of different parts of the world. But you know, I think from my point of view, the combine still holds. Um, you know, it's something that's dear to my heart. You know, I grew up on a farm. We had combines. I've been around them for 20-odd years in, within the company. I'm just always amazed how you can put so much stuff up the front, so many yep. things going on inside, and all the good bits go to the top and the, and the straw comes out the back. Um, there is a fair bit of magic inside that. And in say, but in saying that, you know, there's some of the self-propelled sprayers, some of the, some of the things that they're able to do with, you know, um, you know, variable rates and, and blended pulse technology, you know, maintaining the droplet sizes and, and things like that is pretty amazing too. Um, yeah, we really are blessed with a lot of technology in the industry. Yeah, it's a very cool niche of the industry to be in. I suppose it's really not a niche because everyone sort of needs machinery within agriculture to get the job done. Um, nearly no matter what you are, if you're livestock, you're probably growing crops to feed the livestock and whatnot. Um, so it is cool to see what's happening and what's trending within the machinery world within Australian agriculture and what's next up on the table to see what farmers are needing most. Yeah, and, and, and it is, from my point of view, it's really good to be um, part of the Australian team, you know. I know, I know from our point of view in the company, you know, Australia is really highly regarded around the world for the way that we adopt technology and the way that we farm. 
you know, without without having a safety net underneath us that, and and the fact that we deliver such good quality produce to the rest of the world is something that we as Australia like to hang our head high. Um, we're always very well respected no matter where we go in the world. Um, you know, well known and, and really well, well respected for what we're able to do. Yeah, absolutely. The early adopters, um, if you look internally, there doesn't, there is a fair few out there, but there's a lot to come on board. So it's pretty cool to know that Australia as a whole is an early adopter of technology. And also we're pretty good at managing our risk and launching into it to see with that no safety net going in. Sometimes you're planting your crop in dry and you have no hope of knowing what's going to happen to it at the end and fingers crossed it comes up and we have a good harvest for the year. Yeah, no, it is absolutely, you know, it is, it, I think it's probably the reason we are so well regarded, you know, we, you know, we, the, the adoption of technology really comes out of necessity, you know, we don't have the huge, you know, labour force to choose from, um, you know, as we've seen over the last couple of years with, you know, especially this year with, with borders being closed, you know, we have to adopt technology to be able to maintain the efficiency to be able to, to supply the world as we do. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And also, just before we wrap it up, the pandemic, how much has it affected machinery dealers? 2021 harvest, a few farmers are worried about spare parts coming in and flowing out when it's inevitable that you're going to have a harvest breakdown here or there. How's that looking, shaping up, or how have you dealt with that so far? Oh, look, yeah, so far, you know, it's it's never without its challenges. I think the yep. pandemic just throws another one in there. Um, you know, absolutely love to say that we're never going to have a breakdown, but this is the real world. So um, it's always about being able to manage as best as we can. Um, it's something that we've been planning really since about April. Um, you know, we we with such long lead times, you know, it, yeah, true. it takes at least eight to 10 weeks for us to get a, a sea freight container from either Europe or North America. So we really get forced to, to try and plan ahead as, as best we can. Um, we've done a few, few things, um, you know, on the, on the part side of things, you know, a lot of our dealers are, are very good at their business at what they do. They prepare very, very well. Um, so they, they tend to order very early, uh, make sure they've got the, the parts on the shelf, um, it's why they love to do pre-seasons, you know, to try and make, make sure all their customers are, are as prepared as they possibly can be. Um, because having, having, having a pre-season in September, you know, we can have a rush on, on certain things and be struggling then to be able to fulfil as we run through into the normal part of harvest. Um, it's just one of, the, one of the challenges, I guess. Um, but we have, we have done some things where we strategically placed parts um, rather than being in our, our main parts depot on this side of the country is in Sydney, but rather than placing all of the parts in Sydney, we've strategically placed what we call the hub and spoke system. Yep. So we have some dealers that we've put some larger assemblies that we would normally have in Sydney, but we've placed them with those dealers so they're closer to the end customer just to try and you know, break, bring down some of the you know, transit times and things like that. Um, we tried it first last year and it worked really, really well. So we've gone down the same route again this year. Um, you know, we've, we've seen probably 
a lot more air freight this year than than we have before, and, and that that provided enough challenge as we went through the middle of the year, where we where we started to see a lot of the air freight be constricted into the country. Um, we've moved a huge amount of containers in the last month, so we're really seeing a lot of our harvest parts coming through now. Um, I wish I could stand here and say that we're going to have ev absolutely everything, but unfortunately, it's just you know it's not the case. But we're we're seeing the the pipeline starting to open up, which is which is really really good. Um, you know, there, there'll be the inevitable, you know, parts that we're just not going to be able to get hold of, um, but we're we're managing that, yeah, on a weekly basis. You know, it's it's it really sits in front of our our face, you know, quite well because it is a really important part of our business. The after sales service and and being able to get parts when when required is is a huge part of the harvest. So you know, it, it is something that's it, it's probably caused a lot of stress. I would I would say in the last <laughs> probably oh, six months, uh, and it's got a lot of eyes watching it. So. Um, you know, I wish we could say we we were we were going to be absolutely perfect. It hasn't been without its challenges, but I think where we sit today, we're in a lot better place than than when we first started at it back in back in April. Absolutely, and that's all you can sort of hope for. I like that method, the hub and spoke for dealerships. That would work a lot better than just managing it out of one front shop front. Um, yeah. which, which state breaks down the most? Do you know that stat? Uh, no, I don't actually. I don't want to upset anyone, yeah, <laughs> any of the parochial yeah. uh, states there. Um, but, yeah, no, the only thing I do know is none of them ever seem to break down when they're in the shed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Only when they just started two minutes into their run or something. <laughs> hit, Normally hit Friday rock. afternoon. Friday afternoons. That's it. But, mate, thanks for coming on the Farmswise podcast and having your word about machinery, all things machinery, what's looking up in the next 15 years, pretty exciting space to be in, I imagine, for yourself and us as farmers to see how machineries can improve the way we work daily. The podcast is all about chasing efficiencies and optimising what we currently work with, and you really hit the nail on the head there. I coughed a few times, but I got rid of that, luckily. So thanks for coming on the show. No, I appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much for having it, and I hope that barley dust... Uh... Maybe maybe there's something uh, a bit frothy that might wash it out the back of your throat. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, yeah, if this rain doesn't knock it over, we'll be looking pretty good. But before you go, who's someone else you'd like to hear on the Farmswise podcast and why? We'll keep it harvest-related. Oh, harvest-related. Yeah. Uh, I'm always interested, for me, you know, at the harvesting, harvesting side of thing. I'm always interested in in knowing a little bit more about plant breeds. I yeah. I find that really interesting. The way that we that we can you know breed breed our our crops into different ways to um to, to get a result in our own you know backyard. You know it's it's something that's gone on for a long time. And there's a lot of science involved, but it, but it's really interesting to take certain features of certain crops and and highlight that and. And, and breed things out of out of crops. So from my point of view, someone along those lines is always really interesting to hear. Yeah, absolutely. The varieties are forever changing just because our environment does as well. So that would be a fantastic recommendation. We'll have to chase some down and see some seed companies. Or the, if you see the, like the trials plotted out, yep. um, they look amazing from the air, from a drone. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, and I know uh, in the past, I, I know, I think some of the universities have been involved. There used to be, uh, this is going back a few years, but there was always a plant uh, breeding, I think it was a wheat breeding based at Camden. I can't remember whether it was one of the universities was involved. I know there's also one out of Narrabri as well. So yeah. um, it's always interesting to hear you know, those guys of where they see the future going, because like you said, through there, you know, we're not, not we're, we always want to drive efficiency. You know, we, we're not going to all of a sudden open up more land, but the task in the next you know, 20 years is to feed an ever increasing population. So to be able to do that, we're not growing more land. We're going to have to see our yields increase. So um, those type of things are, are really going to be somewhere where as the future, as we go into the future, it's going to become really important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can see it all playing out in the different varieties coming up through the seed machinery evolving mm -hmm. and becoming more sustainable. And also, I think farmers themselves are probably the biggest tool in the paddock, not in that way that you're probably thinking, but like they're holding all the resources into improving the crops and they're the managers to make sure that crop follows through right the way through and that it's getting the right inputs at the right time. There's a Buddy, there's a lot to manage coming in. Uh, it's a really, it's a really good analogy. I think that uh, you know you are really a, a a manager of the land and a manager of the crop. You know, it'll yep. it'll do certain things on its own, but it's up to the you know the manager to sort of to steer it in the right direction. Absolutely, couldn't couldn't agree anymore. Well, for anyone that wants to reach out to yourself and the team there, how can we reach out to your social media or online? What's the best way? Yeah, we run. We, we, we all tend to uh, have a pretty strong social media focus. Um, yeah, just through the Case IH Australia, you know, we've got a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Beautiful. Uh, we, it's generally through there. It's probably the easiest way to reach out. Um, yeah, some some days are easier to get to see in some of that than others. Yep. Beautiful. Well, it's good to see that machinery is online, and there's some beautiful photos going up around surrounding harvest time so i'll have all of those in the show notes so tim thanks for coming on mate we'll talk very soon awesome thank you so much jack really appreciate it thanks for listening to the harvest series and this episode and for tim for giving us his time and sharing with us his experiences and especially on the farms vice platform always grateful to have speakers and guests like himself on the podcast so if you got something out of this episode please help by sharing it or give it a cheeky five-star review on apple Podcasts because it really helps us get a better yield for our podcast harvest that we do each week 48 times a year we've had a lot of episodes this year which is really good but until next episode next tuesday keep on farming see you next time Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.